I want you to know that I love you. And, and I hope that you love me too. But I want us to pretend just for a moment this morning. Just pretend for a moment that, that you have this great love for me. It's really a, a love that I don't deserve. But, but you have a great adoration. Uh, you, you just honor my presence being here today. And you just think so much of me that the congregation got together today. And you have uh, got me a present. In fact, you got me a very nice present. And so services are over. And some of you come up and say, Brother Doug, we got you a present. It's outside in the parking lot. And so I go out in the parking lot. And what do I have? A brand new bass boat. Wow. Isn't that something? And I look, and there's this brand new bass boat out there, and it's just nice and new, and it's shiny, and it's, it's got all the bells and whistles that a boat can have on it. Uh, inside, I look, and there's several rods and reels, and there's a tackle box in there fully stocked. I mean, it is just fantastic. Wouldn't you agree that's a great present? It's a wonderful present. And I would be out there, and I'd look at that bass boat, and I would be totally speechless, Because I don't fish. (laughs) Don't really care anything about fishing. But there it is. I mean, what do I say? I mean, it's a very nice gift. Uh, Apparently a lot of thought went into it and everything, but there it is. You know, Brother Sammy, if we got Brother Roy Gambrell over here, he'd be hooking it up and heading down to Dell Hall right away with it, wouldn't he? he? He'd really love that if you know Brother Roy over at Clearview. And I imagine there's some of you be doing the same thing too. But it's just not me. It's just something I've just never had a desire to do. And so what would I do with that? Honestly, a, a gesture like that would be very nice, but it might say that maybe you don't know me as well as you thought you did. <laughs> and, and as nice as the gift was, it just really didn't uh, help me in my life and the things that I like to do and try to get accomplished. This morning, I'd like for us to think about This scripture from Hebrews 13, verse 15. Kind of keep the bass boat in the back of your mind. We'll get back to that later. The Hebrew writer said, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. This is another scripture that talks about our worship together. It's something that we are to do continually. And it talks about it being an offering a sacrifice of praise that is to God. By the fruit of our lips, we are to praise God. By the fruit of our lips, we have praised God this morning with the songs that we have sung. Literally songs about praise, of why we should praise God and how we praise God. And that's what we should do with the fruit of our lips. Through the fruit of our lips, we've offered up prayer this morning to God and offered our petitions to Him, but yet praising Him and thanking Him for all the wonderful blessings that He has given us here in His life. We have offered our sacrifice of praise to God this morning as we have thought about the death of Jesus on the cross through the bread and the cup. We remembered His death on the cross and what that means to us. We offered our sacrifice of praise. 
We offered our sacrifice of praise as we gave of our means this morning. Literally giving back to God blessings that He's given to us that we can help help ourselves through God's uh, grace and God's power that we can evangelize this community. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And then we offer up our sacrifice of praise even as we bring the gospel this morning of studying God's word together. By the fruit of our lips, we should continually offer up this sacrifice of praise with each other. We know Jesus said in John 4.24 that God is the Spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I want to think about worshiping God in spirit just a little bit. I'd like to go to Psalm 111. It has ten verses in it. I'd like to read this psalm this morning. It says to us, Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant. He has declared to His people in the power of His works and given them the heritage of the nations. The works of His hands are verity and justice. All His precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding. Have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. The psalmist here talks about the works of the Lord and talks about uh, also praising the Lord with, with your whole heart. In the assembly together, we are to praise the Lord with our whole heart. Well, what does that mean? Well, we're here today and we need to be here with our whole heart. As we are going through the various avenues of worship, our heart needs to be wholly into all of these things. We need to be thinking about the words of these songs. We need to be following the one that's leading us in our prayers. Our mind needs to be on the death of Jesus as we partake of these emblems. Our heart is is whole. Our mind is focused on what we're doing during this time of worship together. And we leave the cares of the world behind. They'll they'll still be there when we get through later on. But while we're here, let's put our focus, let's put our minds, let's put our hearts on the Lord. We think about some other scriptures. For example, in Psalm 51 verse 10, David said, Create in me a clean heart and grant a new or right spirit within me. David says we also need to have a clean heart. Our hearts need to be clean. We need to be here today uh, knowing that we have done everything that we can to keep a clean and pure life before God. We don't need to be out during the week uh, intentionally committing sin. And then when we do stumble, when we fail, we need to repent of the things that we've done. We need to ask God's forgiveness that we can come in here together and we know our heart is clean in the sight of God. We think about also... In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, to let us draw near with a true heart. Our hearts need to be true. Our hearts need to be honest. We can't come in here as hypocrites. 
But we need to truly come in. And, and we're just not playing the part. We're not here just going through the paces of worship. But we are here in spirit with that true heart of, of asking ourselves, what can I get from this today? I'm going to praise God. And how can I be strengthened today because of God's great, wonderful power and love? And then I think about Matthew 22, verse 37, when Jesus said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Indeed, we're to put God first in our lives. Love Him with all the being that we have. He is first. There are other things in our life that are truly important. Our families are important. Our, our jobs are important. Those are the things that we enjoy doing in life that are, that are good and wholesome things. But number one in our life is to love the Lord with all of our being. And if we could do that, then we have done well. We need to have this love for God that tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to be back here. We're going to come back and worship God again because we have another opportunity to do that. We're here that we can worship God with all of our whole heart. We'll be back on Wednesday evening. We'll let the cares of the world go aside and we'll come back. Because we've got God first in our lives, we're going to come and study together the Word of God. Adults will come together and study from the book of Acts and learn more about the early church. Young people, you got your studies downstairs, whatever it might be. We come together and we study those things and learn more about God. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says that the people there on the day of Pentecost, when, when they heard Peter's preaching, it says when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. 3,000 souls were cut to heart that day. We know because 3,000 souls obeyed the gospel. But they were cut to the heart. They let the Word of God touch their heart. That they, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They believed the preaching of Peter, but yet at the same time, they knew that there had to be a response. Peter, we need to know that response now. What do we do? And they asked that because their hearts had been pricked. Their hearts had been cut. We find Romans chapter 6 verse 17 tells us that the early Christians obeyed from the heart. When we do things of obedience to the Lord, we, we are obeying from the heart. We understand that we have that true heart, that whole heart, that clean heart. And as we study God's Word, we're going to obey the things that we find in the Word of truth. There's other kinds of hearts that we don't need to bring to the worship service. We certainly don't want to bring that evil, hardened heart of unbelief. In Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, what's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it's said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Of course, the Hebrew writer is thinking about the children of Israel back in the days that they were wandering in the wilderness and they had that evil heart of unbelief. We, we can't be people that are wandering back in the wilderness and, and 
being discouraged and, and thinking about evil things in our lives and going against the Word of God. We need to remove those things before we worship. Numbers chapter 32 verse 7 talks about a tribe of God's people who had a discouraged heart. Now this might be even more difficult to remove than, than that evil heart because we can get discouraged about things. We, we may have some health problems and, and that gets us discouraged. We might have uh, uh, family members who have health problems and that gets us discouraged. We might have money problems that discourage us. It might be a church family problem that discourages us from time to time. We can so easily get discouraged. And we need to try to work through all that discouragement. In fact, our worship together will help us overcome that discouraged heart. That we can have that clean heart and that true heart. That whole heart before God. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 talks about a lost heart. We, we should not lose heart along the way. Sometimes that happens with brethren. We, we get weary in well-doing, but Paul said, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't lose heart. we got to stay strong in the Lord, continue to do the things that the Lord would have us to do. Is thy heart right with God? God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit. We must worship with the right spirit. We must have the right heart as we come together, as we offer this sacrifice of praise up to God. But we also need to be a people that worship God with truth. We need to praise Him in a way that certainly will please Him. In Old Testament Scriptures, we read from time to time about God accepting sacrifices, and and as they came up to Him, they were accepted as a sweet smelling aroma to him. I'd like for us to look at that just for a second. If you would turn to Leviticus chapter 1. Leviticus 1. I start with verse 1. It says, Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from a tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any of you shall bring an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of its flock. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord, and the priest, Aaron's son, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, uh, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then... Then the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat and the order of the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. He shall wash its entrails and its legs with water. And the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now what God is, is telling the children of Israel is to praise me. I need a burnt offering. And he talks about this is how the burnt offering is to be done. 
You as an individual, this is what you are to bring and this is what you are to do. And the sons of the priest, this is what you're supposed to do. This is the procedure. This is the order of things. These are the parts that are to be burnt and the parts that will not be burnt. All these things are are giving here. And God says, when you do all this, the way that I have instructed you to do these things, it comes up as a sweet aroma to the Lord. That means He's pleased with it. He's happy with it. Well, if you look through the first several chapters of Leviticus, He talks about other offerings also. And in many of these offerings, uh, well, all of these offerings, He talks about uh, uh, how to do it. But in many of these offerings, He ends up by saying, and when you do it this way, it comes up as a sweet aroma to the Lord. A sweet smell to God. But then we get to Leviticus chapter 10. And it tells us that Nadab and Abihu, who were the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense in it, and offered a profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. We've heard this story many times. What they did was rebellion. They had rebelled against God, but sometimes I think about that, and and even though the Scriptures didn't uh, bear this out, in this rebellion, I kind of think of it as, could they? Could they have been thinking this, that, you know, if if we do it this way, God's going to be pleased with it, so we're going to give it a little bit more what we call pizzazz today. We're going to put this extra fire. We don't know exactly what they did with this fire. Just calls it a profane fire. We're going to put a little extra into this fire. If God likes this, surely He'll like this even better. He'll enjoy it. But then we look at verse 2. Whether they thought that or not, so fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Whatever the reasons were for this, God was not happy with this. It was not a sweet-smelling aroma to Him. In the least bit, He was not pleased. And so we find justice served upon them immediately from God. I think about Cain's sacrifice in Genesis chapter 4. You know, he was the tiller of the ground. But his sacrifice was not acceptable to God either. God was not happy with that. He was happy with Abel's, but he was not happy with that of Cain's. And yet today we have this sacrifice of praise that we offer up to God. We do this continually by the fruit of our lips. We offer our praise to God. Is it a sweet smelling aroma? to God in that same way. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, Colossians 3, 16, we've heard those scriptures many times, that we are to teach and admonish each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to to the Lord. That we're strengthening each other, that when we sing these songs of praises, we are teaching and, and we're helping each other, but at the same time we're still praising God 
by doing this. God certainly is pleased as we're teaching each other because if we're teaching, then we're also learning. And if we're learning and we're accepting that learning, then we're going to be stronger, we're going to be closer to Him. And He adores that praise. But we know that there's not any mention of instruments in use in the New Testament Scriptures. We have the command to sing, but we do not have any command, we do not have any example of using the instruments. As we think about this as an offering before God, we are the performers, God is the audience. But yet if we bring instruments in, all of a sudden we may become the audience as the ones playing the instruments become the performers. And that's what we find from time to time in some places of religion. But that's why we don't use the instruments. God hadn't commanded it. God hadn't asked for it. It hadn't been authorized for us. Neither do we have a choir up here. Once again, a choir would be the performers, and we become the audience as we listen to the choir sing. We don't want to do that. Just simply because it's not God's will. But you know, there's some people, they say, now I understand that. I understand that we're not to use instruments. I understand the authority of the New Testament Scripture. And, and, uh, and I see that instruments are not to be used. And, and I understand that and I know that's right. So then what they do is they start using their voices as instruments. <laughs> Have you ever seen the show The Sing-Off? It's one of those reality songs. It comes on in the fall, and this is a cappella singing groups. And I really enjoy that because I love all kinds, uh, all genres of music. I, I just love to hear different, and I love to hear a cappella singing. But you get some of these uh, college groups that come in, they got about 20 singers in there, and they got that guy back there. He sounds just like a drum set. He can just beat away them, make all kinds of sounds. And then they got that good, strong bass guy that's back there, and he can do that low bass guitar sound just all the way through that bass line. And then you got others that actually sound like trumpets, you know, do their nasally voice a little bit and maybe sound like a trumpet. And, and it's good, it's enjoyable to hear. But what if we start doing that in our worship service? Is that what God is looking for? When you think about that we are to be teaching and admonishing, that's the purpose of our singing, to praise God and not trying to see what kind of sounds that we can make with our voices that would be greatly unique. Now, of course, this also includes our praying, our preaching, and as we offer the Lord's Supper, all these things need to be done according to what we find in the Scriptures all along the way. You know, it's, it's said that the church at Philippi was a church that did not receive any admonishment from the Apostle Paul. And one thing we find in Philippians 4.18 is there, that their worship was a sweet smell to God. The way that they worshiped was pleasing to God. He was happy. And, and Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, was able to tell them that and let them know that they were worshiping God in spirit and in truth in a way that should be right. We need to praise God with our whole heart. We need to praise Him with a sweet smell and aroma that we, that we worship in truth. But how does God want to be honored? How, how can we honor God? Well, again, we, we just opened the book. 
we look in the Holy Scriptures, God tells us how He wants to be honored. Does He have that right? Well, I think so. He created me. He created all of us. He's far beyond anything we are. And certainly He has all right to tell us how He wants to be honored. But we're coming in a, a new generation of time that people are, are thinking about this a little bit and say, well, if God wants to be honored, certainly we want to praise Him and we want to offer Him a sacrifice of praise. But as we offer this sacrifice of praise, maybe there are some things that we can do that's even better. So we have that special service where we might put together a little orchestra and let them perform some Sunday. Or maybe we can bring some great performer to come and, and sing some gospel songs for us. Congregation this size and as close as we are to Nashville, I'm sure there's probably someone here that has a connection or two. You know, you might have to go through a, a friend of a friend, but you might be able to get someone from Nashville that, that's well, well known. You know, you might get a Vince Gill over here, someone like that come and sing for us one Sunday. Wouldn't take too much to do that. Would that be pleasing to God? Would that be the way to honor Him? We can honor Him by inviting some other type of an in entertainer. Oh, we, we bring some comedian up here and he can tell all of his jokes. And, or we can bring someone that's a magician and they can come up here and, and show all the magic tricks during the, the service and not uh, talk about the Scriptures at all and do those things. We have a lot of young people here at Fountainhead, and I know they're very talented. Well, let them put a play for us. Let, get them up here one Sunday instead of uh, our normal service. We'll just let them put on a play for us concerning uh, whatever that Sunday might be. We have some wonderful women here at Fountainhead. Let's honor God by letting them conduct the service one Sunday. How about that? We could certainly do that. That'd be another way of honoring God. We could honor God maybe by honoring each other during our time of praise. Second, uh, First Peter chapter 2.17 tells us that we are to honor each other. And I think we should honor each other, but I don't think it's talking about during the worship service. There's a time that we can honor others. This is a time to honor God and to praise Him. We have places today and they are now honoring God with their applause. Instead of that hearty amen, you know, song leader leads song, oh, we'll just, we'll just applaud the song leader. <laughs> Chad brings up a very hearty point, we'll just applaud Chad. Well, Chad, that just deserves a, a round of applause. Well, someone says, what, what's so wrong about that? Well, where does it stop? Okay, maybe after that we'll start doing the whistles. <laughs> you know, kind of like a, at a concert event or a sporting event. We might do some things like that. Or whatever else comes to mind. We read in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, that there were idolaters and the way they worshipped their gods was through fornication. We certainly don't want to go that way, do we? Surely God wants more, someone says. Maybe that's what Nadab and Abihu thought. Surely God wants more. And they suffered for that. Maybe God wants a bass boat. <laughs> you 
You know, I don't have a need for that. But the idea I want us to see this morning is there are things that, that I feel like that people are really trying to do what's right. But they're missing the point. They're missing the point that God is a supreme being. And He has told us how to honor Him. And we don't need to go beyond that. Because when we do that, we're going into some very dangerous grounds. God has been so good to me. He has blessed my life. He's enriched my life. He has blessed your life. And He's enriched you also. Our attitude to God should be, I'm here. Just like Isaiah once said, here am I, send me. I'm here, God. What, what do you want me to do? And I'm ready to do that for you. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's, that's the bottom line of all this. We've got to trust. We've got to trust God with our whole heart, with a clean heart, with a pure heart. We've got to trust God with all of our heart and not start thinking for ourselves because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thinking is higher than our thinking. Just go back to the book and make sure that we're doing everything God's way. Isaiah 1, 18 says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Maybe someone here today that you don't have that clean heart because your heart is not right with God. You had not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to obey from the heart that gospel this very day. Again, we find that people on the day of Pentecost, they were cut to the heart when they heard Peter's message that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And once they realized that and they understood that, they asked men and brethren, what shall we do? And the answer they received was, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's the same answer we give you today. Repent and be baptized. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. You can turn your life around, and then you can come and worship, and our worship together will be a, a sweet-smelling aroma to God as we do all that we should do for Him. If you have that need, why don't you come now? We stand and sing.